Wilderness Wonder. This is your host, Amber Redmond. Today we are speaking with my life group leader, Rick Rubel, who is also our lead pastor at North Point. Welcome, Rick. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Today we're going to talk about what you like to call disciple making relationships and how we, through your story, came to be in this position where you're our life group leader. So can you tell listeners what a disciple-making relationship is? Yeah, it really is any kind of friendship, any kind of relationship that you have that helps you move towards Jesus. It's helpful, I think, to have people in your life all the time that you can pour into and that pour into you as well. So disciple-making relationships really go both ways, and there's always people who are farther ahead of you and people that hopefully that you're reaching out to and helping move towards Jesus as well. And I'll add to that. In a lot of my solo episodes, I talk about, I ask the question, who is speaking God into your life? And I'm hoping that this episode will also have you question, who are you speaking God into their lives? I don't know if I said that very well, but (laughs) you get the point. It made perfect sense to me. always at North Point and you were not always a lead pastor, correct? Correct. That's true. So you didn't always want to be a lead pastor. When you went to Bible college, that wasn't your goal, right? That's, yeah, that's true. I grew up in a great family, a great mom and dad who were followers of Jesus, loved Jesus, and he really was the center of our home. I spent a lot of time growing up at church, going to church camp. Church camp had a big influence on my life. And I knew that when I became an adult, I would be a leader in the church, that that's that it was part of what of who I was and what I wanted to do. So I went to Bible college really to have a chance to sing because I enjoyed music a lot. And because I wanted to have a good foundation in terms of knowing the scripture to be able to be a youth sponsor, to be able to be a teacher, to be able to do whatever. So I went to Bible college and anticipated that I'd probably just be there a year or maybe two. God works stuff out so that in the process, I ended up staying four years and getting a degree that had a double major in music and in Bible. And along the way, I met Deb, I met my wife, and she was clear that she didn't want to get married, didn't want to have kids, and certainly didn't want to marry a pastor. And I was okay with that because I thought the first two were probably negotiable and I didn't have any intention of being a pastor anyway. I I thought my, my goal really was 
if I think back about when I was in high school and college about what I really wanted to do and be, I wanted to be an elder in a church. I wanted to help provide leadership for a church, but not as a vocational staff member. My senior year, I, I did an internship at a church in music ministry, and the next year they asked me to stay and be part-time while the music minister there was on sabbatical for a year. So I did. Deb and I got married, and we traveled 45 minutes back and forth to church several times a week to lead there. Those were good times. And about two-thirds of the way through the year, we were coming back, and we had really kind of an aha moment where we said, any place that we go, we're going to be some of the people who have the most training and are gifted to lead in music ministry. So we need to at least be open to what God has done in preparation in our lives for saying yes to him, both at that point in time and in the future. And so we did and made the transition after that year into vocational ministry. I was a music minister for three years uh, full-time as the music minister. And during that time, another church called and asked me to be the associate minister at a church a long way away in Rockville, Maryland. And I had to go through a very hard time at that point, working through whether I was a musician that did ministry or whether I was a minister that did music. And the end result of that, because the church didn't really want me to do music, the position that they were talking to me about was an associate minister position. And so I, that was a struggle for me because the areas they wanted me to work in, I didn't really have any educational foundation in. But as I talked to them, I realized that many of the things that were critical to being a good music minister were critical to the other areas of ministry that they were asking me to do. The ability to encourage and, and teach and recruit and give direction, all of those skills applied in both areas. So ultimately, we moved to Maryland. I said yes to God in that process. That then started a, a path that had me work in churches in Maryland and then ultimately going to teach at a college in, in Southwest Missouri, back to Northern Virginia, then back to Ohio. And those last several ministries were all in leadership areas, but I was really more in an executive pastor, a campus pastor kind of role in those places and that's where I was when it came time to come to North Point. Where were you located? In a little town between Cincinnati and Dayton called Waynesville at a church that some great things were happening at. Okay, so much to chew on there. I wanted you to tell us a little bit about leaving your last position, but can you tell us first, like specifically what that position was? Yeah, my role at the church in Ohio was what I had really been called to do because the church that I was at in Northern Virginia and my role at the college had really been in a senior leadership kind of a role. And the church that was there had been, it really, historically, it, it, it had been around 170 years, 175 years, something like that. And they had never really gotten a lot bigger than two or 300 when we came in 2008, they were in the 600s. And the charge that I really had as a staff member was to come in and, and help, help the mindset of the staff and the leadership to change from a small church to a large church. 
while we were there, we grew from in the 600s to just about 1100. And so God blessed through that process. In that, in those transitions, my role, I was, I really was providing leadership in the ministry area for the church. We had someone who was working in the business area and, and helping to a large degree with the vision and the outreach that, that existed for the church. We helped plant a couple of churches during that time. And that those were areas that I worked in. And we had a sense that we made some changes in terms of kind of the direction, the way that the church was going to function. And while I could have stayed and done the things that I was continuing to do and feeling like God was blessing, I had a sense that it really wasn't what God had prepared me to do and that I wasn't necessarily using all of my giftedness. And so uh, we came to a conclusion that, that our time there was done and, uh, and we didn't know where we were going to go, what we were going to do. And that, that then led us into a period that, that for about, it was probably six or seven months before we started here at North Point. So you taught me in one of your sermons long ago now, I don't, I couldn't even tell you when to look upstream at what God has been doing in your life. And I love this story of yours because it really illustrates that in a really beautiful way that God was working upstream in your life from the time that you were a child with your parents through the Bible college, even through meeting Deb, because Deb is incredible. And I've, I very much yes, have been she in, is. she is, I love Deb. I was like Deb in that stage of life where I was like, yeah, I'm not going to get married and have kids. And here we both are with multiple kids and, and husbands, but that'll have to be another podcast episode. I think (laughs) you can talk to Deb about those things. Yeah. But so, and God just continued to work upstream in your life to lead you to North point, which when you were in Ohio for that last position, your kids, some of them would have been graduated and some of them would have been in high school. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Our youngest was in sixth grade and the next two older ones were finishing their senior year in high school and freshman year in college. And So making these choices to move ministry didn't just affect you and what you wanted in your life. Yes. Yeah. And the church that we were at was the church where Deb had grown up. So we were close to family. We were about 45 minutes from where I grew up. My dad was still living. My mom had died during the time that we were at the church in Ohio. Deb's mom passed away as well during the time that we were at the church in Ohio. And we had extended family in the area. So yeah, our decision to come to Michigan meant leaving family and moving away from a lot of what we had known. Yeah. I wanted to lead you to say that because, I mean, I'm sort of in a similar transition period. We just moved into our new house and I had to make the decision to buy a house near family or buy a house in the area that our church and life group is in instead, which is not far away. It's not States like you had to choose, but I think that it's really important for listeners to hear, how do you make that decision with God? within your relationship with God 
to listen to him when it doesn't feel like what you wanted. For me, the issue is of control, right? (laughs) I always thought I would live near my family, but instead, sometimes God is calling us to something different. And I don't know if there's a question in that, but... (laughs) Yeah, well, I, I can talk about several several significant moves for us. So our first move, when we went into ministry and I was in full-time music ministry in Columbus, we were only, uh, what, 60 miles away from where we had both grown up in Dayton. So we were still able to come home for birthday parties every month for, you know, to be very involved with family. We could go in the afternoon and come back that night and not really have it be a big deal at all. When the church called from Maryland, and it was then 550 miles away, our oldest daughter was six months old. Mm. It was, it, that was a significant deal because we both had grown up. We had lived in our homes for a long time. We both knew Dayton and Cincinnati. That was really what was known and what was safe for us. And to move outside Washington, D.C., where we didn't know anyone, was that was a big, big deal. And the process for us, it was funny because Deb said she had a clear sense from God from the very beginning. She said, if we go and interview there, we're moving there. And I said, no, we're not. (laughs) And she said, all I'm telling you is if we get on the plane, we're moving to Maryland. And I said, no, we're not. So we hop on the plane, we do the interview. And that first night that we're there, she said, we're moving here, aren't we? And I said, how can I know we haven't done anything yet? We were there for five days and on the fourth day. So we had been there for church on, on Sunday and she said, what do you think? And I said, I still am not convinced there's still, you know, I still had some meetings to do and there were more things that, that we needed to explore. And she said, I'm just telling you we're moving. And I said, (laughs) I don't know that we're not going to do that. But through the last two days that we were there, I became convinced that for me as a minister, that the opportunity that I had to work with the senior minister there, who is a good friend and a godly man, that that trumped any of the other things. That was exactly where we were supposed to be. And it was because we were going to surround ourselves with people who thought, who valued the same things that we did in terms of relational ministry and helping people move towards Jesus. And it wasn't just about structure. It wasn't just about history. It really was about being the church that God wanted us to be. And and so when we said yes, we had complete peace about that, even though it was really scary moving someplace that we'd never been before and with a little baby. The end result, we were there for 12 years and, and have some of our dearest friends in Maryland still. And what we lost in terms of close proximity to to our parents, to the grandparents for the kids, we gained in additional sets of grandparents in Maryland. There, there are people there still that our kids count as family. Um, and that's pretty cool. It's super um, cool. Yeah. So that decision to move away was that really opened the door for all the other moves because we moved from Maryland then to Southwest Missouri, didn't know anybody there. We moved from Southwest Missouri back to Northern Virginia, and we did know some people there, but it was a completely new paradigm of ministry 
that with a lot of learning in that. And in each of those steps, God confirmed over and over again, that was the right step for us to make. So when we ultimately came to North Point, or had the opportunity to come to North Point, and I had said all along, you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't feel like I'm called to be a lead pastor. I don't, other people had asked multiple times, are you open to being a lead pastor? And I said, I don't think that's what I'm supposed to do. But the circumstances, it wasn't even the circumstances, the ask that came in the process with the guy who was leading the search and the way that he asked caused me to pause and not say no automatically. And again, when you talk about God working upstream, about a month before I had that conversation, maybe two weeks before I had that conversation, we had done an interview at another church. And in the midst of that interview, and it was for an executive pastor position, a leadership role, in the midst of that interview, I really had this sense of, boy, I have some, I have some strong opinions about the way that things should be done. Maybe I need to be open to being a lead pastor. When Deb and I drove back home from that interview, I told her about that in the car and said, ah, I don't know, but maybe maybe we're supposed to be open to that. Two weeks later, we get this call. A guy in the search firm described the situation, and we said, let's continue to talk. It became very apparent as the discussions moved forward that our heart was at North Point even before we ended up here. It, we were interviewing multiple places, and both Deb and I thought, I think we're supposed to go to North Point. So God worked through that. I'm so glad. So in leaving that last position, you had to surrender to what God was doing. Was there a moment that you can point back to where that surrender was really apparent, where you had the choice to respond to God? Or was it more of like continual pressing? Yes and yes. If that makes any sense there, it really was. I had said so many times when people had asked, are you open to a lead pastor position? I had just dismissed it always and and said, no, I don't think that's what I'm supposed to do. And when the guy who was leading the search, Stu, said to me on the phone, I can remember very clearly sitting in the driveway at our house in Ohio because we didn't have good cell service inside. And he said, would you be open to a lead pastor position? He, he said an unconventional lead pastor position. He said, I'm talking to this church outside Lansing, Michigan. There was a combination of three things in that conversation that gave me a different reaction than I had had consistently all along. And to say, well, tell me more about that. And God, I think, knew what it took in each of those areas to have me be open to that. And what was really interesting is, so Deb didn't want to be a pastor's wife. Yeah. She had really flourished in the roles that I had been as a music minister, as an associate pastor, as an executive pastor. She had flourished in those roles. But she had always said, I, man, I do not want to be a lead pastor's wife. And I walked in the door after I got off the phone call in the driveway and said, I, I've just been talking to this guy, and he wants to know if we're open to a lead pastor position outside Lansing. And she said, yep, yeah, we are. 
which was so different than anything that she had, any way that she had ever responded before. So again, God was working through that whole process to lay the foundation to help us take that step. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to talk to Deb soon. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. It sounds to me like you had to have a redefinition of yourself and, and what you wanted in order to respond to God. Yeah. For me, it, it's funny because while I'm very much wired to achieve and to accomplish, that's never really been tied to my vocation. So, so I never had this clear sense of, oh, that's what I want to be. That's what I want to do, that kind of thing. And so for me, the issue was, I want to be where God wants me to be. I want to do what God wants me to do. Initially, I thought that was going to be as an elder in the church. Later, it it was in a leadership role in the church, in a vocational staff role, but not as the lead pastor. And the process, the loss of the dream, if you will, the destruction of the dream, or or just the movement of God, it was really about me understanding in a new way what God had prepared me for and being willing to say yes to that, even though it was something I had never anticipated. I would say, you know, seven years later, I still feel like, man, I am so ill-equipped and inexperienced in this role that, that anything that good comes from it it really is the, it's the blessing of God and it's the work of God, not because I'm so smart for sure. Well, that's incredible to hear because, you know, you've had a, a major role in our family in like the faith structure of our family. And as our life group leader, it's incredible to me. And, and the reason why I wanted to have this conversation with you is because God was doing some of this movement in our lives before you came to North Point too. And I really felt like he placed us at North Point when he placed us at North Point and you there at the same time. It was the same time frame. Right. I think you came like a couple months before we came. Right. Before we came to North Point, I lost my Jiddu, who was my major um he was who spoke God into my life before I knew to look for that. Right. Mm-hmm. And losing him, I was in this transition of like, who is God and why am I so curious about it? And how do I find him? And, and I came to North point because I had two sets of cousins that were going there from two different sides of the family, my stepdad and my biological dad. And I just thought that was so weird. Why would these two very diametrically different families both end up at the same church? But through coming to North Point, I learned, I I mean, I loved going to North Point and I loved the music and that kept me there. But then I started joining connect groups and started learning about what that meant to look for people that had a relationship with Jesus to be a part of my life. Yeah. Yeah when you're coming as a new believer in that way, you're just kind I was just like flailing. (laughs) And I remember the first connect group I joined, it was a parenting one. And I asked Jake to be in it with me. And he was like, we don't need help parenting. People only join those when they really need help. And, and, 
you know, they're not doing things right. And I was like, well, I'm not saying that we need help in parenting. I'm just saying like, I want to know some other parents. It was like two or three connect groups after that, that we finally joined your life group. And it took Jake a while to open up to that even, but now he's curious and that's super cool. And I, I attribute that to his relationship with you because you have been such a leader for our family. And I really think that that was only able to happen because of what God has done in your life prior to this and what God is doing now. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's funny for somebody who grew up in the church, I've always had a heart for people who weren't necessarily a part of the church or who weren't sold out to Jesus. And, and so it was really, it's been really fun for me to have a relationship with you and Jake and to just love you guys. Cause you're great. Cause you're, you're <laughs> fun. And, and I, I just like being with you. And, and so the opportunity to invest in you guys and to allow God to do his work in you and have me be a part of the process is just a really cool thing. I, I, um, I, it's a, it's an incredible privilege. I agree. And I, I feel like you're a mentor to both of us. And so if listeners are looking for a relationship like this, how can we invite them into finding disciple making relationships? What is the best first step when they're in a position? Like I was just kind of trying to figure it out. I think at some level, it's to just take a step, you know, to just put yourself out there and to risk doing that. I know we've got a friend from Virginia that became a part of of our ministry and our friendship in a cool way that she was far from God. And she said that she would come and sit in the parking lot at church knowing that she needed to come in. But she was so afraid to that she just sat in her car and smoked cigarettes. I think it was three weeks that she sat in the parking lot before she had the courage to come inside. I I think part of it is just taking a step and seeking that out. If you're a follower of Jesus, I think the, the thing that you do is to pray and say, God, who can I team up with? Who can you bring into my life? Who can, who can I reach out to that could have that kind of role in my life? And I think you just look for people that you like being with that love Jesus, because, you know, I'm not right for everybody. There are people that I connect with that, that somebody else might not connect with at all. And people that I don't connect with that somebody else might connect with wonderfully. And I think at some level, it really is, you find somebody who's pursuing Jesus, who has, who has the same value system, who cares about the same stuff, who laughs at the same kind of things that you do, um, who enjoys some of the same kind of things that you do, and, and you just start to build a friendship with them. So for me that, you know, most recently this winter, having the chance to ski with Jake, was, <laughs> it was I, I was being selfish in inviting him to go ski because I wanted to go ski and, <laughs> and, and having a chance to teach him to ski was just really cool. But I also knew that we were going to have a lot of time in the car to talk. And so I was grateful for that as well. I, I think sometimes we 
we pursue a relationship with, like we, we say, oh, I want to be in a disciple-making relationship. And that becomes the goal so much that we miss the bigger picture that God made us to do life with people. And that if we do life with people that we know and love and that we enjoy being with that love him, the result of that is that we're going to, we're going to encourage each other and help each other take steps towards Jesus. So uh, with you and Jake, there's lots of times that you guys will say stuff or ask questions that makes me rethink my relationship with Jesus in a good way. And that challenges me to take more steps. And hopefully the same thing happens uh, you know, with, with the time that we spend with you guys. Yeah, no, it definitely does. And I love how you brought up the skiing because I wanted to also talk about how it looks different in every relationship. I stumbled through connect groups and a couple different life groups before I found yours. And the reason why I wanted to stay in your group is totally different than the reason why Jake wanted to stay in your group. You know, Jake is here and wants to learn to ski from you and do adventurous stuff and have bonfires. And yesterday he was in the paintball closet because in our new house, he has a whole closet for paintball. And we have a head wrap that has the last supper on it. And he said, well, when Rick comes to play paintball, we know which one he can wear. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds great. And I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, that's why Jake, I mean, that's what Jake looks for in relationship. And so that's why you make such a great mentor for him. And for me, it was an entirely different reason because I'm, you know, more like Deb and yeah, and just different in my personality. But I think I want listeners to hear from this, that it doesn't have to just look like a Bible study all the time. Right. And that relationship is important in a lot of different ways, not just, you know, studying. I think that's what people think of when they hear life group. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And, and, you know, when you know about our life group, I, I've said multiple times that the, the conversations that we have before we ever start life group officially Mm -hmm. or, or after life group ends officially, that those conversations are more about what the life group really is than anything that we do as we're talking back through them, through the message, as important as that is, or as we're talking, as we're praying together or whatever, the opportunity to just talk about what's going on in life and to do that with some people who can share a godly perspective, um, a godly worldview and, and encourage and challenge each other in that is just, critical. And, you know, when you have a relationship with someone and can be honest about your questions, you can be honest about the things that you're skeptical about and know that you're still going to be loved and that you don't just have to have the right answers in order to be there. That's, that's what I think about uh, a disciple making relationship is really all about. It's about just being able to process stuff together with Jesus being involved in that with the person that you're talking with. Yeah. I love that. You know, a lot of things that I talk about on the podcast and write about in my writing are things that I've already processed. Right. And I don't share the things when they're in process a lot of times. And that's because I need the time, but I also need 
I need to bring it to life group first. And my, my biggest example of that is, you know, when I had my second miscarriage and I came to the church that Wednesday randomly and you (laughs) gave me a hug and just told me that you and Deb had also had losses. And that was just a moment of clarity for me that I wasn't alone and that I, I don't know if this is going to sound crazy or not, but like in the midst of the miscarriage, I didn't think I had a place at the church and it wasn't because of the church. It was because of the grief and that, that, that people don't talk about miscarriage. And so I continued to come, but had no intention in sharing. And now I'm diametrically different because I share on my blog about miscarriage and have a podcast that talks about it and everything. And none of that would have happened if I hadn't been able to process that with you. And I want to share the story that you told me that day, but I, I think it would be better if you shared it because a lot of my listeners are going through or have gone through miscarriage and you changed my entire outlook on God through that process. Do you mind sharing that? No, yeah, that's, 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 that I'm happy to, um, in between our, uh, well, after our third daughter was born, a uh, couple of years after that, um, found out Deb was pregnant and we're really excited about it. Had, didn't, didn't know the, the gender, but had names picked out and uh, like, I think like many who go through miscarriages, you go to the doctor and they check you out and all of a sudden you, you have a sense something is not right. And you hope against hope that something's wrong with the medical instruments with, you know, whatever you pray and you think everything's going to be okay. And you go back the second time and they say, no, uh, you know, the, the baby's not alive anymore. And, um, so we went through that, Deb miscarried. And I remember just real clearly, we went to a park afterwards and, um, and sat down and, and Deb said, um, you know, it, it, it's, it must be, it must've been God's will. Um, there, maybe there was something wrong with the baby, you know, we just don't know, but, but it's, it, it's God's will. And, and I said, I don't buy that. I don't, um, I don't believe that it's God's will that a baby dies. He allows it to happen, but that's not who God is. And so it, uh, we, it, it wasn't that, that I was, (laughs) <laughs> that I had it all figured out or whatever, Deb was processing in a way that I think makes great sense and is true. Um, God is in charge of everything. But for me, there was, there was this sense of, no, God allowed it, but it's not what he wanted at all. And, and that was the way that I processed that and it's, it's, I still think that I, I still think that, um, that, that God allowed that to happen, but it's not necessarily what he wanted. 
Well, and I'm so grateful that you shared that with me on that Wednesday. That was a major turning point in my faith. And it, it left me with the question, who is God really? Not who have I been taught that God was my whole life and not who does everybody say God is. And, you know, before that, my faith had been built upon what everybody else had said. And, and that's okay. That's a good starting point. But at this point I needed to take God's character into my own hands and leave them open to him so that he could show me who he really was. And that was, man, it was hard and it took years. I mean, what are we three years away from that now? Yeah. And I'm still asking that question, but and I, and I don't think that we ever have a firm grasp on who God is, but beyond that he is good and he is love because he's so complex and that's part of the beauty of it. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's part of the invitation. Right. We can't, if we could understand God, if we could figure him out, we would be bigger than God and we would be God. <laughs> And you think about how ludicrous that really is to think, oh, I want to try and understand God. It's not a bad thing to, you know, to get to know him and to look at scripture and in your time with him to, to come to know who he is, but, to, but you can't figure him out and put him in a box because God's God. And I think in knowing his character, and that's a lifelong process, you know that he is good and that, that his mercy does last forever. Uh, you know, it, it, um, it, his grace is just so good that even in the midst of trauma and grief and turmoil, that God's still there and he's still faithful and he doesn't change. And he is with us and wraps his arms around us, no matter what the circumstances and, and that's enough, you know, that's that it doesn't change our circumstances, but it sure lets us see with a different perspective. That was incredible. Thank you for saying it all that way, because I say over and over again, also in my writing and in the podcast that God is within and around us. And I just want everybody that's ever listening or reading my stuff to take that away. If they took nothing else away to take that away. Yeah. Yep. He's he is at work all the time. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, and I have a few conclusion questions. Sure. What practice is leading you closer to God right now? I, I, you know, if you were part of North Point, you'd know the last in the last few weeks, I've I've preached about rest recently, and and for me, this past week, the message from from Chris was about having margin, and and that that really right now in this moment is is something that I'm working on and that that is helpful that it's easy if you're an achiever 
if you're trying to accomplish things to think, oh, I've got to X, Y, Z, I've got to, you know, increase my quiet time to 30 minutes a day or an hour a day that I'm in the word and, and just being with Jesus, or I, I, I want to read this particular book. I want to do all this stuff. Those are all good things. Um, You know, nothing wrong with those, but for me, creating an opportunity to just not have anything on and to listen and to, and to just enjoy um, is that, that for me is, is helping me understand God in a different way, enjoying his presence and being with him. This summer, Deb and I are going to make a trip to uh, Glacier National Park. And I can't wait because I think as we hike and as we rest and as we look at what God's created in the quietness of that, I think there's going to be a new um, appreciation, a new understanding, a new depth of relationship that, that I've just not experienced because it's so easy for me to be busy all the time. Oh, that's so good. Man, this theme has been coming up a lot lately for me also. And when I've just kind of been like free stuff. So my word of the year is play. And so yeah. I've been just trying to play around with everything that we're trying, like that we're trying to do. And um, it's been a saving grace because we have been in this season of transition and moving and starting a new job and all that. So in another episode that I just recorded with Anna Kettle, she said that she wrote her whole devotional by just beginning with one piece of scripture every day, just a little verse, and then writing whatever came to her. And she published that on her blog. And and over years, it turned into a devotional. And I'm loving her devotional right now. And I'm loving that that was her practice. And so I think I'm going to play with that because it sounds, it sounds restful and it sounds inviting. And I'm always the one also to just be like, okay, I'm going to read all four gospels by, you know, May 31st. (laughs) Right. And I've kind of been lost in transition, not doing that. And I think I just need something smaller to take on. So I, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Last question. How can we pray for you right now? I, I think, boy, I appreciate prayer for our, for my leadership here at the church and for us as a church that, you know, it's, it is no secret for anyone that COVID has, has been a challenge for people individually, for, for, workplaces for, you know, all kinds of things. And um, nobody has it figured out. And I, I would just appreciate prayers that as we walk through each, um, each moment, each chapter, each, you know, each page that God would lead us, that we can be as followers of Jesus and as his church, that, that we can um, respond to him in the right way that allows us to to be a city set on a hill, you know, a light in in a dark place that draws people to Jesus.
I want to thank you again for being on the podcast. And then I think I will end in prayer. Let's freestyle like we do in like group. I'll start and you finish. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. God, I just thank you for always being with us and for your spirit within us. I thank you that you are always working upstream in our stories. I thank you that you've brought every single listener that will come and listen to this episode. And I hope God that you are working through our words and helping them see where you are working upstream and working in relationship. God, I ask that you bring each of us closer to you and to knowing who you are and also help us hold our hands open to the invitation of your unique complexity. And God, I pray for North Point and the leadership at North Point. I pray that you guide us and guide them in the next right steps and help us as a church and help the leadership at the church take every step, just one step at a time with you. And God, I thank you for this time with Rick. And I thank you for everything that you've done in him and around him to bring him to this position to mentor us and that he is such a good listener to your spirit so that you can lead us always. Lord, I I thank you so much for allowing us to experience life with friends and um, uh, to be able to experience just a glimmer of what your love is like as we love people who are in our lives. Um, I thank you for, for Amber, for her love for you and, and for bringing she and Jake into our lives and, and just the opportunities that we've had to do life together. Lord, I, I ask that you'd be with the people who listen, that are hurting, and that they would sense your presence more than anything else. They would, they would know that you're there, particularly in, in the loneliness and the isolation sometimes that, that comes with grief. And God, that you would just wrap your arms around them. Um, Father, I thank you. I thank you for the chance to talk and to just reflect on the ways that you've worked in um, in my life, in Deb's life, even in, in Jake and Amber's life over the last several years, and to just see that you that you're there at every step of the way, um, guiding and leading and directing and nudging and sometimes pushing uh, to help us know you more and follow you more deeply. Um, Thanks, God, for the chance to talk. And thank you for being so good. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.